making as strange of noises as we possibly can. I'm not as talkative as I was yesterday. Ooh. Yeah, are you good? Are you yeah, alive? I'm good. I haven't had my tea this morning. Oh no, that's what'll do it. Whenever <laughs> um whenever I make tea what? before the podcast, oh. the podcast is always good. And not, whenever you don't, the podcast sucks. No, just because there's a po- just no, the inverse does not necessarily never mind. So you're saying the podcast sucks. Yep. Anyway, I'm gonna start it. Cool. Welcome to the Crunch episode twenty two. This is your boy Ethan, aka Bropostle. And I'm Patrick at Catholic Pat. And today is February 12th. I remember that because it's the day after my brother's birthday. My brother turned 14 years old yesterday. Happy birthday, Ryan. That's fun. Um, yeah, it was really funny because I was driving to Mass with my friend Tracy and she was talking about my birthday this summer. She's like, oh, I can't wait to come to Kansas City and like meet your family and everything. And all this stuff, like, because you always talk about your brothers and they sound so cool. And I'm like, yeah, my brothers are awesome. Like, you know, Alex is, you know, high school is doing really well. Ryan was like, I'm about to turn 14. Wait, holy crap, Ryan's birthday is today. <laughs> and I just had, like, had the realization as I was talking to her that I had totally forgotten my brother's birthday. But I didn't actually forget because I did call him and it was fine. So. That's good. Happy birthday, Ryan. I hope this inspires at least one person out there to call someone whose birthday it is today and let them know that you love them. My mom's birthday is actually this upcoming Friday. She's turning the big five zero, so we got a lot of birthdays going down in Stevie Land in February. Wait, what? What day is this Friday? I'm not telling you. I can. I have a calendar here. I'm gonna look at. Yeah, go for it. Oh no way! The seventeenth. Yeah. What a day! Right. (laughs) (laughs) How you doing? How's your weekend? I'm doing great. My weekend has been very. very bland. Not much went on. Actually, that's not true. There was a pajama party in our student center on Friday night. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Free frozen yogurt and popcorn and a giant bouncy castle in the middle of the student center. You Franciscans are absolute mad lads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't even that know the half of it. Crazy. Because stuff. my friend, what are the odds to me? Yeah. To unplug would... the bouncy castle while everyone was in it. <laughs> Which I I won, so I didn't have to do it, but right. I did it anyway. That would have been so I funny. did it anyway. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it was a double-decker bouncy castle. What? And those so, exist? Yeah, those exist. It's like it, like you climb up the stairs to like a slide, and then you slide down. Oh, I thought that was like there were two levels of bounce. Oh, no. There's, well, I mean, you can bounce at the top, but it's very dangerous. And here's why. Because I unplugged it. <laughs> <laughs> and someone was at the top, and as the air left their support, they toppled. And so the entire bouncy castle looked like it was caving in on itself, and so it looked a lot oh worse than it was. And everyone at Franciscan <laughs> is like, save the bouncy castle! And everyone's like crowded around it, like trying to pull it so it's staying up. And I'm like, everyone's like, I don't know what's going on. And so I was like, I could get in trouble for this, because I'm an RA. And so I plugged it back in, and then everything was fixed. If I was inside that bouncy castle, I would have started hyperventilating and freaking out. Because really? I would have been trapped in there. Yeah. <laughs> That's really very fun. scary for me. I'm very claustrophobic. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> yesterday was also it was also a big weekend for me because uh, yesterday was 
the Marian Consecration Day after 33 Days of Morning Glory. That's good. And yeah, it was awesome. I did it after hearing about it for years and years and years and years and almost starting it like three or four times in high school and in college. <laughs> Finally actually did it all 33 days, all Marian Consecrated, and uh, here I am. Can you tell that I'm different? I can. Oh, Your teeth you. are shimmering. Shimmering. I'm a shimmerer. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really cool because after Seek, um, well, during Seek, we went to go hear Father Michael Gately talk, and I listened to his Marian consecration talk, and I loved him so much that I heard it, I stayed and listened to his um, Divine Mercy talk as well. And a lot of my friends did the same thing, and we came back, and he's like, you know, the next day to start uh, 33 Days of Morning Glory is this Monday. And we were like, oh, shoot. Do you guys want to start that together? And so we made a group chat nice. um, on iMessage. And what we would do is every single day, um, whoever read it first, which is usually not me because I would just sleep in and everybody would get up at 730 in the morning and do it. I don't know how they would do that. But they would. <laughs> whoever, whoever read it first that day would post it and say, day 12 done. And then everybody else would like the message. And if somebody didn't like the message, somebody would reach out to them and say, hey, did you do your Marian consecration today? And oh, that's super cool. Yeah, it was it was really, really neat. Um, we made it all the way through, and then at the end of us, for the very last day, when we finally made the final consecration prayer, we all went to our – we have this small uh, grotto in the back of St. Isidore's, our student center, and we all prayed the prayer together, and uh, we took some lit pictures next to the mosaic of Mary, which I put on Twitter if you want to see, but – it was really, really neat. It was a fun experience to do it with friends, and uh, I don't know. I just kind of want to unpack it with you and see. I just want to hear your thoughts on it, and I don't know. I don't know what else. I just want to talk about Mary. Yeah, yeah, which is always fun. Last time we did this, you cried. So <laughs> let's do it again. Go listen to Our Lady of Flimbo Flambo episode something. Um, so yeah, I, I I pulled books down because we're talking about Mary. Specifically, yep. Marian consecration, and the two best saints for Marian consecration are Louis de Montfort and Maximilian Kolbe, two very different people from two very different centuries. You got you did the thirty three days, right? Yeah. So you guys like went through um, Mother Teresa and and JP and JP two and Kolbe mm-hmm. and de Montfort. Yeah, yeah, they're really cool. Um, so like, what did what did you think about those saints in particular? Like, did knowing about those saints help you in consecration at all? Uh, hearing about Louis de Montfort and about how he like pioneered the whole thing was really cool um and i mean it was at the very beginning so i don't remember a whole much but i do remember that he was a very no he was the one that was super angry wasn't he or is that colby that's colby Colby was the one that was super angry i think i identified a lot more with colby um (laughs) than i did with de montfort because colby um i had heard about him before and i knew like he kind of brought it into kind of the modern world i guess Mm -hmm. with um the militia that he founded and the magazines that he was sending out all over the place and like he just directed his passion which is something that i have a lot of for better or for worse mm-hmm. and put it towards this really good cause and um i don't know i was just, i was a huge fan of just kind of because he talked a lot about that in his talk but hearing more about kind of the what he went through and why he did it um was a lot was very impactful for me i don't know i like them both i'm a fan but I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember too awesome. much about Louis de Montfort because it was at the beginning, and that was a whole month ago. So, well, Louis de Montfort wasn't uh, wasn't exactly passive. 
there's a good story of him. I, I know everyone on Catholic Twitter loves that Saint Nick story where Santa punches a heretic. It's always yeah. fun. Yeah. Well, um, Louis de Montfort was a was a an apostolic preacher, um, which is a which is a title <laughs> given by the Pope, and so he would walk around and preach, and so he would preach. He preached in this bar at one point, and these four guys were just chilling in the back of the bar, like saying crude things about Our Lady, and so he very calmly said, "Excuse me," to the crowd. Walked over to the back, decked all four of them at once, and leveled them, and then went back to preaching. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm imagining the bar from Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> oh, oh man, that is that is so cool. I love that. I love that there are these great men in the history of the church that have this passion for Our Lady. Yeah. And like this understanding and this need, like not this need, but this desire um, to be with her and under her heart and under her direction. And I don't know. I think that's really cool. So like, I think a lot of people like treat – like we talked about this last week is that Mary is the example for women. And that's true. But sometimes a lot of people forget that Mary can do a lot for men as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I was I was asked a while back about like why – why do men not pray the rosary? Because they think it's all like womanly. Like what, what can you say to make men think that the rosary is manly? And I'm like, honestly, I just, just shut up. Like that, that was my response was like, just don't yeah. worry about not being masculine. Cause men I hate this whole manly womanly thing. Like yeah. the whole need for combat rosaries or whatever. Like, yeah, those <laughs> are cool if that's your thing. But the rosary that I use is literally just wooden beads on some string. Ooh, you same. Know? I'm jingling it right now. And it's, I don't, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to overcompensate for the fact yeah. that you're asking for a woman's intercession. And I think sometimes subconsciously men will do that. And I think that's just unnecessary. And the worst part is like men are afraid to fall in love with Christ because that seems gay. And then they're afraid to fall in love with Mary because that's for women. So it's like, where, where are you? Like, I'm just going to fall in love with sports instead. I'm going to fall in love with myself, which is what a lot of men do. Oh, that's um, So, anyway, we're moving on. So the first time that I did Marian consecration, I was a little scandalized by the whole thing. How old were you, by the way? I was five years. I'm just kidding. No, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was a junior in high school. Okay. No, I was a senior in high yeah, school. Yeah, I was also a um, bit, uh, like, questionable about some things, so I would love to hear about mm-hmm. your scandal that you so, caused. I I remember the most scandalous thing was Christ being or sorry, the devil being more afraid of Mary than of God in certain respects, which is a direct Louis de Montfort quote from his book True Devotion. Yeah. Um I was a little concerned with the idea of giving all of my merits to Mary. Um that whole thing was the, during the first week Gately kind of goes through all of these really, you know, weird parts of Marian consecration you know the the somewhat scandalous parts that when when you hear protestants say like you worship mary and then we kind of respond with like oh no mary's not that important and we kind of like downplay mary you know which is the opposite of what we should do we should not do that gately works on kind of getting rid of that anti-mary stereotype in us by really building up mary and it was a little shocking at first so i wanted to know what you thought during your first week um, I was a bit kind of like, huh, just with the way that some things are worded in there. 
it's not like bad or wrong or anything. It's just saying like the the way that because my whole life things have been attributed to God the Father, right? Mm-hmm. We need to do the will of God and love Him and listen to what He says. And then all of a sudden, I'm reading this and it's saying we need to do the will of Mary and love her and do what she says. And I'm like, yeah, well, that doesn't make any sense because, uh, like. God is the one who did all of this, right? Yeah, Mary's super important and everything, but she's she's a created being just the same as me. Why should I listen to her any more than I listen to God? You know? Yeah. Like, just kind of that whole idea. It just the way and it like gets more explained and it gets more fleshed out, but that first initial shock of like, wait, what do you like this is this replacing God with Mary? Like what am I, I why am I reading this? You know? Yeah. I don't know. It was just that, and that kind of just persisted. Like you would read a certain sentence. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but it would just kind of make me go, huh? Like, I don't know about that, you know? And I'm sure it's all right and correct. And I'm just dumb, but (laughs) that, that happened a lot to me during like the first week. And then just throughout the rest of the 33 days when things would be called back to, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Well, it is super, it is super. Yeah. It is super weird. I was talking to Hannah about this on Twitter the other day when she was talking about her Protestant friend who misread the catechism and and thought that Catholics believed that Mary was like a fourth part of the Trinity, you know? Um, mm. When when we talk about Mary's interaction with the Trinity, and let me get this straight, you cannot understand Mariology without understanding the Trinity, specifically mm. the Holy Spirit. Right. So I'm reading this book on pneumatology right now. <laughs> What is this really big word, which means study of the Holy Patrick Spirit. Patrick has the biggest grin on his face right now. He's so excited to be talking about all this stuff. And so... <laughs> Pneumatology! <laughs> anyway, anyway. Fight me in real life. I will. Take a train to Pittsburgh and we'll fight. Um, what was I saying? Pneumatology. Yeah. Okay. Pneumatology. So I'm reading this book right now and it's like all of Maximilian Colby's writings and I'm kind of realizing that you need to understand who Mary is in relationship with the Holy Spirit first before you understand her in relationship with yourself. So like there's this big word in within the this book of big words that I don't understand um, called similitude. And similitude is um, two persons, two natures functioning as a single media, mediatory personality. So you have you have Mary and the Spirit, who are two different persons um, with two different natures, functioning as a single mediatory personality, which, in a way, is like a marriage, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's a joining of two persons. Unfortunately, as Colby says, and this is this is him, not me. <laughs> um, marriage is not a good enough analogy for Mary and the Holy Spirit. A better analogy for Mary and the Holy Spirit would be the hypostatic union itself. Christ's right. natures de- like joined together are more are more accurate of a description of Mary and the Holy Spirit. So right. when you think of Mary, you have to think of her as an icon of the Holy Spirit. So not merely an image of God, but as an icon of the Holy Spirit. So when you see her, you kind of see who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. And that's when you kind of get into this uh, this whole like the femininity of the spirit thing. Yeah. That a lot of times people talk about like oh Ruah is and and Sophia wisdom is feminine and so it's like this is how the Holy Spirit acts out in in the world is through Mary. So he does things through Mary. And so when we pray in the Spirit, we pray in Mary, in right. a way. 
Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, because they're so closely yeah. united and their wills are very close together. Yeah. Mary is the quote-unquote spouse of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the quote-unquote spouse of Mary. But it's much more of a... I don't know what it is. Yeah, they're they're unionized. They're unionized workers. Colby uh, calls try, her the quasi trying to get a fair wage for us young young bucks. <laughs> communism. Colby calls communism her the quasi. <laughs> Ethan's saying funny things, and I'm trying to be smart. That's okay. No, Don't I think it's quasi. better if I'm not smart. Quasi one more time. Quasi incarnation of the Holy Spirit, and it's Whoa. like, yeah, this is like the last, or no, this isn't the last thing he wrote before he got taken to to Auschwitz, but, um. But yeah, Colby's Mariological contribution mm-hmm. is just insane. He writes some crazy stuff. And this is this can only come from the mind of someone who would more readily punch four people in the face than Louis de Montfort himself. Right. You know, he's just so on fire for Our Lady. <laughs> Maximilian's um, name means the greatest, and he literally is the greatest. Like, we, <laughs> we're going to have a Saint Goat one day. He is the goat. It's going to be like the new Maximilian Colby. <laughs> oh, just man. saying. Anyway. Wow, so I kind of went. Yeah, you went off on a tangent, but that's I okay. Um, I was also a huge fan of the Mother Teresa section. Yeah. Um, at the time it was written, she was still Blessed Mother Teresa, now Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta, however you want to say it. Um, but her whole, like, thirst was always a big word that's associated with her is that she thirsts. And, you know, I always am affected when I hear about her, you know, story of, how she had a year of like super amazing consolation where she was seeing visions of Christ and he was telling her what to do pretty much directly. And then the rest of her life, she didn't hear anything. And so, and that's, you know, in those times she developed more of a devotion to Mary and was able to kind of unite her will with Mary's will. And that's how she ended up doing all the amazing stuff that she did. Uh, but just knowing that, you know, cause kind of personally in my own life, these past 33 days outside of the consecration were not like the best, you know, just not a lot of consolation. Like after Seek, you'd think I'd go through just some great, you know, consolation. No, I was yeah. very much not. And so kind of reading about that and understanding that, okay, if things aren't going well, just trust in Mary um, to kind of bring you closer to her son again, because that's what she does. And you know, maybe I'm far away because something I'm, I did, but you can always run back to our mother and she will help you out. You know, that's just what moms mm-hmm. do. And so reading through that and knowing that, you know, Mother Teresa had it way worse than I did, you know, because mine was just like, oh, I don't feel like God loves me anymore. I know she literally had 40 plus years of just nothing. And yeah. so it doesn't even compare. But that really uh, spoke to me as well. I'm a big fan. 
and I'm sure what she did as a as a contemplative religious or sorry, yeah, was not like sit and meditate on who our lady is in terms of like the the economics of salvation. You know, so like I'm 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 redoing I'm renewing my consecration as a part of my, you know, household, which is we do it every year. And the, right now in the in the method that we're using, it's talking about how it's like, okay, so tonight don't just meditate on who Mary is. Like actually talk to her because mm-hmm. she is a person. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's a good point that I need to yeah, keep that, reminding myself. You know? That wigs me out. Yeah. Because I like to talk to God, you know. Mm-hmm. And I understand that Mary's in heaven, right? She's the queen of heaven. And she can hear our prayers and take them to God for us. But, like, talking to her is a yeah. concept that I'm still, like, I'm still not, like, sold on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Because... I just don't want to like accidentally worship her. Do you know so, what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like I'm a fully, like I fully believe all of this Marian doctrine. Like I think yeah. it's great and true, but I just personally have a really hard time with it. I don't yeah. know. Do you have any tips? Please help well, me. So a Maximilian Colby quote is no yeah. one can love Mary more than Jesus himself. True. So never be afraid of loving Mary too much. All right. I'm, I'm not afraid of also, loving Mary too much. I'm afraid of just, yeah. like, not praying to God. If See, like, you you as a person who loves Mary and knows Mary as who she is, no, nothing about Mary exists apart from the incarnation of Christ, right? So Mary absolutely does not matter outside of the existence of Christ. So her her what's bestowed upon her by grace is only because of what has been merited by Christ by his very nature. Mm-hmm. So you can't, if you understand that, mm-hmm. then you, then everything that you give to Mary is immediately given to Christ, whether, you in, whether you're like knowledgeable of that fact or not, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, not, we're not pagans. But why know? don't they just go directly to God? That's a good question, Ethan. It is. So that was Protestant Ethan coming on as a guest. As a guest. <laughs> Just now for those three seconds. So we, we tend yeah, to look at... actually a valid question. Please answer. Okay, cool. So we tend to look at um, our prayers to God as us handing something off to him, you know, and then... So when we, when we think of intercession, we think of, okay, so here's Mary, me, Mary, God in a line. And so you hand it to Mary and then she hands it to Christ. In a sense, that's true. Right. However, when it comes to your prayers, it's like going to your father and your mother at the same time, you know, it's, or like, it's like going to Christ. And if you want to like ask the intercession of, of Colby, you know, you, you go to your older brother and your other older brother, who's slightly younger than the other one. They both, they've both been there. They both know what you're going through. Um, some in different ways than others. So like if you were, um, if you're a guy who enjoys sports then, you know, blessed Pierre Giorgio has also enjoyed sports, but, you know, Jesus didn't, um, you know, climb mountains a lot. Wait, that's not true. Never mind. <laughs> you get the you get the thing. That I'm Jesus didn't ski. So intercession, essentially, is not a line of passing off your prayers to one person to the next until it finally gets to God. It's bringing your intercession into the family that you are a part of. Mm-hmm. Intercessory, intercessory prayer is a family as the entire body of Christ is. I could have just said that. Yeah. That's a good answer, though. Thank you. I think everybody should say that. 
to everyone that asks that question. The church is a family. The church is a family. Much the same as Patrick and I are united in a family, even though we're hundreds of miles away from one another. And I've met once. Still pray for each other. We still make it happen. Um, Just because the saints are quote-unquote dead. (laughs) And Mary is, well, Mary, I don't even know if Mary's dead. Okay. She, um, she never died. Oh, well, that's another question. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't go too so in deep with that. Give, uh, me the, give me the short answer. Give me the short answer. So death is a separation of body and soul, right? Because Mary's body and soul were never separated. She's not dead. No, they did. They could have. There, there is um there is There is a possibility that she died. The jury is still out on that. There's a possibility that she died before the assumption. Ah, I see. Yeah. Okay. okay. And okay. went through the same death as her son. That just to, yeah. like, to, to experience the same suffering as her son. Right. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Good. Good answer. I don't have Let's not go on that tangent. Talk. That's just such, a, such a long road of... I don't have anything else to talk about with Mary and Consecration other than oh. I really liked it. I'm glad that I had friends to go through it with. Yeah. It's challenged me, which is good. I don't think you should do prayer that doesn't challenge you, um, at least in some small way, which sounds really intimidating. But, you know, make prayers like just saying simple things like, Lord, I trust in you is so challenging when you think about like the whole scope of it. So doing something like this, which is just even bigger of a challenge for me, just because it's kind of new and foreign and we aren't really told a lot of this Marian doctrine when we're growing up. Um, just because it's more like Mary is Jesus' mother and sometimes we pray the rosary and <laughs> um, yeah, so see you guys next week. You know, like it's not, there's nothing, we don't get a lot of this. And so yeah, um, it was really powerful for me to kind of get some of this background and then hopefully set the stage for more learning, um, doing different consecrations like uh, Louis de Montfort's um, way of doing it, mm-hmm. I think would be fun to do. Um, but yeah. I don't know. And, it was good. And keep going deeper because there's so much <laughs> there's so much there's so much out there because Ow. you know without without Colby's really big spreading like you said with big spreading of Marian devotion we wouldn't really have the Marial the the Marian fire that we have today. Um you know that we we live in the age of Mary is what um some of my professors have said, and it's definitely evident. There have been more Marian apparitions in the last two centuries than have ever been in the entire history of the world, which is insane. So you have to keep going deeper, keep studying Mary. Um, I have this quote from Louis de Montfort's book, True Devotion, that I would like to read. Do if it. If that is okay. Please. Sweet. So this is um this is True Devotion, uh, paragraph 119. As this devotion essentially consists in a state of soul, it will not be understood in the same way by everyone. Some, the great majority, will stop short at the threshold and go no further. Others, not many, will take one step into its interior. Who will take a second? Who will take a third? And finally, who will remain in it permanently? Only the one to whom the Spirit of Jesus reveals the secret. The Holy Spirit himself will lead this faithful soul. So you cannot go deeper into true devotion to Mary by yourself. You need the Holy Spirit. And I read that, um, that little paragraph of true devotion. And, uh, that really hurt me because it's like, we have this amazing gift, but who is going to take advantage of it? 
And I feel like this is like Louis de Montfort's morning as he finishes this chapter of his book. He's just like, I, I hope people will actually do this because it's, it's brought, it brought him to sanctity, you know? So it's like, who will go in even one step and who will take a second and a third and who will stay in it finally, you know? Um, I hope that everyone listening will be that person to stay in it finally and help other people do the same. Boom. How's about that for your crunchy uh, needs? I don't know. I didn't cry this time. Uh, you didn't cry this time, which is very impressive. Um, <laughs> I hope I hope you all have learned something about Marian Consecration, maybe that you didn't know before. Um, maybe you had some of the same thoughts and fears that I have. Maybe you know everything like Patrick does. Uh, <laughs> wherever you're at, uh, this is good stuff. And that's that's all i have to say you gotta start uh, somewhere you do have to start somewhere that's usually for me it's at the rock bottom uh anyway thank you all for listening um we've had a lot going on yesterday we had the catholic throwdown with tommy and sarah and daniel and steve and uh matt and katie and daniel's kid and daniel's kid <laughs> and a donut a <laughs> donut um, but that's on YouTube. It's on the Catholic Drinky YouTube page if you want to go and watch that. It's an hour and 40 minutes long, so I really don't blame you if you don't watch it. Um, but that was a fun thing that we did yesterday. Uh, shirts. Patrick is trying to convince me to put cartoon pictures of us on these shirts. And the oh one of me I didn't is know we were so talk about bad. It's so ugly. It's just my nose is huge, which it is. Don't get me wrong. But also my waist is about six inches wide. In this caricature of me, and I'm like, I'm I will skinny, be posting this picture. That's skinny. Please don't. Anyway, we're trying to make shirts. We're going to figure it out. Yeah, I have a couple. Uh, you of get designs. an indulgence for making it to the end of the podcast, um, as per Tommy Ty's suggestion, and we got burned. Yeah, that's that's it. I don't I don't have anything else to say. Patrick, you got anything else? Nope. Donate to the Patreon. Follow us on Twitter. Uh. DM us if you have any questions, because that's what we're there for. Yep. Um, all right, sweet. Please pray for us, and we will be praying for you, and we will see you on the Twitters.